0: All right, all right, hey, good to see you friends, good to see you, everybody around Orland Park here, uh, everybody out at Homer Glen, we love y'all at Homer Glen, New Linux, we love you as well. Uh, everybody online, everybody on Facebook live during this hour who's watching and hanging out, welcome uh, to the summer time at Parkview, so glad that you're here. And it's been a great week uh, around here in Chicagoland. I've been able to stick around uh, most of this week with my family, and, and this weekend is a little warmy. Uh, but earlier in the week, it was it was beautiful, was it not? I mean, there was a couple days during the week uh, we got to stay down uh, in the city, and it was just so uh, it was mild and, and beautiful. And I think everybody was out at the park uh, during the week downtown. And uh, on Wednesday of this week, we are with my son uh, down at Columbia College, uh, going through his orientation because that's where he's headed. Uh, to school this August, and uh, so we're super excited about that, and just being able to experience the city this week. And so this is Cole. I took this picture of him just this weekend, and and he's actually around the Orland campus here this weekend. And so just show him some love. He he just loves to be loved on. Um, so uh, typical. Uh, guy. No, I'm just kidding. So don't. what well, you can. But anyway, um, that's that's Cole, and he's 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 around here. And it was just it was just a good week. It was one of those just super family weeks, and we got to have some good food uh, all around. And then just the other night we got to go to that Hamilton. Uh, production, the musical, and I don't know if you've seen that or not, but it was, it was just it was incredible, and there were some moments in that that uh, were just fantastic, and uh, it, it was kind of one of those weeks that you just hope and pray uh, that you'll always remember, and uh, I don't know what your week's been like. Maybe you've had one of those weeks that's been just really good, and, and you just want to remember it, and then maybe you're coming in this weekend, and you've had one of those weeks where you're like, hello, Todd. I, if I could just forget it, that would be fine, and uh, just move on into a new Uh, I don't know what you're coming in with this weekend, but I want you to know that I'm glad that you're here. And I believe God knows that you're here, and he knows what we're going to study and where we're going to journey together today. In fact, the message and the study that we're going to do today is one of those sections in the Bible that I hope we will always remember in our lives. It's been about three and a half years ago now that I taught on this very same subject and text in the Bible uh, to us and I want to bring it back again uh, this weekend because a couple things. First of all, I think probably three and a half years ago, probably 20 or 25% of you weren't even around Parkview at that point in life. And this is a big message that I want to have in our lives and for us to carry around. Another 20% of you are probably off doing something, you know, different that weekend. And, and the other 50% of us don't remember it, you know. So it was three and a half, four years ago. And so this, again, is one of those messages I hope and pray that we'll be able to carry with us into coming weeks and months and years of our lives. And to get us all headed in the same direction today, uh, let's think about this question. What would be one of, considered one of the biggest steps of faith That you've ever taken. A big step of faith in in your life, maybe it was a few weeks ago or a few years ago, maybe it was college or a wedding or something like that. For me, I would probably go back to a few years back when I moved my family from Kentucky to California. And we, we had this incredible job in Louisville, Kentucky. I was working at a great church And honestly, it was kind of my dream job. It was was just a great, great church. And we had lots of friends around there, not only friends in the church, but we had friends all around our neighborhood. My wife Renee had some of her family, so we had family right around the Louisville area. We had an incredible house with a great yard, cool deck. I described to that some of you Uh, last weekend, I described the backyard. We had great schools for our kids. I mean, everything in life was good. Everything was going really well. And it's at that same moment that God started speaking to my heart and giving me some new thoughts and some new dreams. You ever been there? Like everything is going good, everything's pretty fine, and then all of a sudden God starts speaking to your heart and giving you new challenges and giving you new ideas. God was calling us to to start a new church, to plant a new church. In California. And so, so to, make a, to make a long story, medium length, um, we, 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 we loaded up the family and, and we spent like 10 hours or 10 days together in the car traveling like 3,170 miles. And we moved our family from Louisville, Kentucky to Los Angeles, California. And uh, those are different places, right? <laughs> you know this, right? I wish somebody had been more honest and told us how different the, the, those places are. And, and, and many people, dozens and dozens and dozens of people, especially in Louisville, would ask us when we were making that move, why are you doing this? I mean, why would you leave? I mean, this is a great job. Isn't it a great job? I mean, is there something wrong? Is there something off? Why, why would you be changing everything up? And, and my answer was always the same. I know. It, it just doesn't make tons of sense, does it? But here's what I feel like. Here's what I just feel like God is calling me and my family to do. He's calling us to just push away from the dock. To get out into some deeper waters and, and, and to take some risks and really live out the, the faith that we have to start a new church like that first church that we read about in the book of Acts. To be a church that captures the curiosity of our culture and leads thousands of people to Jesus. You see, I was at a crossroads kind of in my life where am I going to just stay where I'm at and do what I'm doing and kind of be comfortable, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the issue with that was God was also calling me to something else and that's what made it difficult. And so I had to decide, are we going to take these steps of faith? Even though, listen, I had no idea what was coming. I had no idea what God had in store for our family, and it was kind of scary. And I bring all this up because maybe you have been there recently, or maybe you feel like you're there right now at a crossroads, or maybe you're headed into one, and everything is going kind of okay But you feel like this thing in your heart that you need to do this or do that or start this or stop this or move there. And you feel like God is calling you to take these steps of faith. And the question is, are you going to keep taking these steps of faith towards him and really live this out in your life? That brings us to where I want us to study today in the Bible. If you have your Bible with you or a smartphone or a tablet, Genesis chapter 22 is where we're going to be. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. And we're going to read through this. I'm going to read a good chunk of this story, about 14 verses. And then we will take some time to just slow down and pull this apart. And I think we're going to be amazed at how the story of Abraham and his son applies to so many of us today. So let's dive in here. Genesis chapter 22, starting in the first verse. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up. He saddled the donkey and he took with him his two servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up, and he saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, you stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there, and we will worship, and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up to his father, Abraham. Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire... And the wood are here, Isaac said. But uh, where, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, "God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son." And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there, and he arranged the wood on it. And then, catch this, Parkview. He bound up his son Isaac, and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But an angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. How quickly do you think he replied? By the way, yes, Lord, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yes, right, here I am, right? Yes, Lord, he said. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham, verse 13, looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. From this event in Abraham and Isaac's life, what I want us to do today is I want us to look at two different angles, two sides to this story, if you will, two two slopes to this story. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. It's slope number one, Abraham and Isaac's side of the mountain. Can you imagine Especially if you have kids or grandkids or want to have kids, can you imagine what must have been going through Abraham's mind as he packed up the things for the sacrifice and he packed up his son and he began to make that journey to that place that God was calling him to. Realize this is the son that that God had told Abraham would be the beginning of all of his descendants. This was his first son. This is also the son that Abraham and his wife Sarah have been praying for for all of their lives. And some of you know how that goes. You have kids in your life who you've been praying for. You've been, lots of energy, lots of time, lots of money go into having these kids. This is the way it is for Abraham and Sarah. And In fact, we realize in Genesis chapter 17, we're in Genesis chapter 22 right now, but if you go back just a few chapters to Genesis chapter 17, you realize that when Isaac was born, Abraham was a hundred years old. A hundred years old. He'd been waiting like a hundred years for this boy to be born, for God's promise to come into his life. And Sarah, his wife, you know how she was? She's 90 when he's born. Ladies, right? I don't know how many of you feel like you had kids late in life. But she is stinking 90 years old. Isaac is a special son. He's a special son, and some of you know how that feels. I mean, we all believe our kids are special. Ruby and Cole, are so special kids to us. My daughter Ruby, who I've told you about a number of times over the last few weeks, she got married just a few weeks ago. Did you know this about Ruby? Ruby is the first girl born in the Clark side of the family since like the mid-1800s. No kidding. It, it, just, it was always brothers who had brothers. It was uncles and uncles and uncles. It was, just, it was just always that for like 150 plus years. And then all of a sudden, Ruby comes along. Ruby is a special daughter. Just like Isaac we're talking about here, he is a special son. But But remember, this is also the son that Abraham is asked to sacrifice. This is also the very same kid who walks alongside his dad for three days. And then finally, on the third day, it says that Abraham looks up and he sees this place in the distance. He sees this mountain that God is calling them towards. And take a look at this again in verse five. Abraham, he said to his servants, hey, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay here with the donkey. Well, I and the boy go over there, and what's going to happen is we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Everybody say, worship. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. If you're taking notes, just underline that or circle that in your Bible or whatever. I I want us to hang out here for just a minute because I want us to realize something about worship. Worship in Abraham's day was very different than worship for us today. In Abraham's day, if you were going to worship God, it always meant a sacrifice. You just had to. If you're going to have a worship service, there's going to have to be a sacrifice that is going to be made in order for worship to happen between you and God. Maybe to put it even more clearly, in order for worship to happen, something had to die. Something had to die for worship to occur. And for us today, Parkview, all around Chicagoland, We're so far removed from that, right? We're so far removed from worship being like that. My guess is that most of you, all of you, coming in this weekend, when you start thinking about worship, you just were not really thinking about something dying, You weren't thinking about sacrifice. You were thinking, hey, which worship service do we go to? Do we go to Saturday night or do we come to Sunday morning at 9 or do we go to 1030 or do we go to the noon? We're thinking what worship service fits our schedule the best. You weren't thinking about making a sacrifice or or something dying. Let's go to church for something to die. In fact, parents, when you were loading your kids up in the car to come to church today, I I doubt if you said, hey, 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 don't forget the pigeons. Bring the pigeons, kids, because we're going to do the sacrifice. Or don't Get that goat in the car. Kids, get the goat. Get the goat because we're going to worship. We're going to park you. We're going to need the goat. Right? We didn't do that. That's not what any of us did. In fact, when we come to worship today, what, what happens for us, it looks so very different. We come into a space and oftentimes we bring the lights down a little bit lower so we can block out everything else and so we can focus our attention. And we put some folks on the stage who are incredible at playing instruments and things like that, and some people who can sing, and we put some words up on the screen, and we begin to just call out to God. We begin to declare our allegiance to him. We give him our time and our energy and our devotion, and we call that worship. And it is. That is worship. Worship. Uh, us calling out to God and blocking out everything else and, and, and speaking these words to him, that is worship. But do you realize that the only reason that you and I can worship the way we did this weekend is because there has already been a sacrifice made for us, right? There already has been a sacrifice for us. His name is Jesus, amen? <laughs> Jesus is that sacrifice for us us. That's how we can do what we did this weekend. In fact, in the New Testament of the Bible, we won't go there right now, but in John chapter 2, it says that Jesus is the lamb that is slain for us. He became our sacrifice so that when we come into worship, we don't have to bring pigeons or goats or lambs. We can just come in and come directly to God, give him our attention because of what Jesus has done for us. Now that's us today. That is not the way it was going back to Abraham. In Abraham's day that we're studying, it always involved a sacrifice. And everybody in Abraham's party understood that. And and they also knew that they had two of the three things they would need. They had the wood and they had the fire. But something was missing. In fact, in verse 7, it's kind of an interesting interaction there. They're walking together, and Isaac actually says, he says, hey, Dad, um, okay, I know we're going to go do this. We've done sacrifices before. This wouldn't have been anything new to them. They've worshiped God before, and I know we're going to do a sacrifice, and I know we have the wood because I'm carrying the wood, and I know we have the fire because you have the fire, but, but where's, okay, where, where, where's, the, where's the offering? And this, this is what his dad says in verse 8. Abraham answered God himself. provide the lamb for the burnt offering my son and the two of them went on together and the Bible says when they got to that place that God had told Abraham about says he built an altar and the altar would have been just probably a bunch of rocks a bunch of stones that they spent time gathering up and kind of made into a circle and a cone and and he puts this altar together and then it says he takes the wood from Isaac and he, he arranges the wood up on top of that altar and then Then it says this, then it says he takes some kind of rope or something like that, and he actually bound up. He he ties up his son, and and, and somehow he gets him up, and he lifts him up and moves him up onto this altar. And then it says he takes the knife, and he's got the knife, and he's he's holding it up in the air, and he's going to make the sacrifice so they can worship God. And again, can you just imagine what is going through his mind? Can you just imagine him going, okay, God, are you up there? Are we really going to do this? Do you see what's getting ready to happen? Right? Really? And what about Isaac? What about Isaac laying there going, dad, really? Dad, this doesn't look good. And by the way, do you know what most Bible scholars believe? Most Bible scholars believe that Isaac is actually about 25 or 30 years old at this point in his life. And so if the picture that is being painted in your mind is of a dad tying up his little 8 or 9 or 10 year old son, you probably better change that picture to a dad tying up his 25 or 35 year old son, that young man. And you know what, that changes the whole picture, doesn't it? It changes the whole picture because he's 25, 30 years old. He could, have, he could have rebelled. He could have pushed his dad away. He could have pushed his dad aside. I mean, his dad is 100 years old. He could have gotten away from his dad. But instead, he allowed himself to be bound up. He surrendered himself, and he laid down his life there. And so here you have this 25 or 30-year-old young man He's laying up on top of this altar, the wood that he carried. He's bound up by his dad. His dad has the knife up in the air, ready to make the sacrifice, ready to worship God. And I want us to realize that from their perspective, from their side of the mountain, hope is just about gone. It's just about gone. It's seconds or minutes away from being done. And I just want to pause there for a moment, Parkview, and say, do you ever feel that way? You ever feel like in your life? I'm just trying to honor God. I'm just trying to walk towards Him. I I read something in the Bible, or I heard something in a song, or I heard some pastor say that I need to do this, and God spoke that into my heart. And I'm I'm just trying to take steps towards God. I'm just trying to be faithful. But from my perspective, from my side of the mountain, hope looks like it's about gone. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe your marriage the last few months or even the last few years has not been easy, to say the least. and You're sticking it out. You want to be hanging on to this thing and you even begin to do some date nights and so maybe you feel like things are coming along just a little bit better and you begin to come to church too, even oftentimes with each other. And so you kind of, it feels like and it looks like kind of things are getting a little bit better. And then one evening your spouse says, hey, can we sit down and talk? And so you sit down and they look across the kitchen table at you and they say, you know what, I think I'm done. And you start thinking, are you kidding me? What? And from your perspective, from your side of the mountain, hope is about gone or maybe it's with your kids or grandkids or or maybe it's with your parents or grandparents somebody has health problems going on and maybe you've been praying and seeking help for this and Not sure what to do. You've been to doctors all around Chicagoland the last few months, or maybe you've even gone to other states in the United States for treatment. I have friends over the last few months who have gone to different parts of the world. Maybe you do too. They've gone to different parts of the world to try and get help for something that's going on inside of them, and they still can't get any help for what's going on inside of them. And from their perspective, maybe from your perspective, hope, from your side of the mountain, it's about gone. Maybe it's your bank account. You look at your bank account, and you look at your bills, and you're thinking, this doesn't add up. This is not good. There's not enough money in here to do all of these. And so you're thinking this week, which, okay, which three do we do? We get to do three. Three bills, that's it. And my guess is there's just a whole lot of us who are in a similar circumstance in our lives to Abraham. And, and you're thinking this is it. This, this week's it. This month, we, we can't last another month. And if you feel that way, here's what I want to say to you. Do not lose Faith. Do not lose faith. You know why? Because there is another side of the mountain that you and me cannot see. Another side that we cannot see. It's slope number two. It's God's side of the mountain. Do you realize that when God was calling Abraham to bring his son Isaac and these other parts of the sacrifices, he was calling them to start the journey up this mountain. God, on the other side of the mountain, on his slope, also, begin to call a ram. And Abraham and Isaac begin to go up the mountain, and the ram begins to take steps up the mountain. And Abraham and Isaac take a few steps on their side, and the ram takes a few steps on the other side. And I want you to see this picture in your minds, parked you. I want you to take this picture with you this week and next month and into coming years. Abraham and Isaac take a step, and the ram takes a step, and Abraham and Isaac take a step, and the ram takes a step. And there's about to be at the top this explosion of faith. As Abraham's obedience intersects with the provision of God in their lives. In in fact, look at this. Faith explodes for us. It explodes in our lives. It comes to life when our obedience intersects with God's provision. And I want us to see in this story, maybe some of you have heard this story for a long time, but what I want us to realize and be sure we don't miss is that Abraham could not see both sides of the mountain. He couldn't see both sides of the mountain, right? I mean, Abraham could not be sitting there with his son Isaac bound up on the altar on the wood that he carried with the knife up in the air. Abraham couldn't sit there and whisper to Isaac, hey, hey Isaac, guess what? It's gonna be okay. It's all gonna be okay. Because guess what, Isaac? In verse 13, there's a ram caught in the thicket. And so what's going to happen is, we just got to get to verse 13. And when we get to verse 13, I'm going to go get the ram. And I'm going I'm to get you down from here. And I'm going to put the ram up there. And it's going to be all good. Right? Abraham could not see verse 13. Just like you can't see verse 13. He couldn't see God's provision. Just like you and I oftentimes can't see God's provision. He couldn't see both sides of the mountain. Just like you and I, we cannot see both sides of the mountain in our lives. Check this out. Only God sees both sides of the mountain. Only God sees both sides of that mountain. And I can't help but wonder, what if Abraham had just stopped? He said, this is too much. It just doesn't make sense. He'd allowed his faith to waver. Here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that if that Abraham had stopped... Making that journey with Isaac on this side of the mountain, the ram would have also stopped on this side of the mountain. There would have been no reason for a ram to be caught in the thicket if Abraham and Isaac were going to keep continuing. There would have been no uh, supernatural intersection. There would have been no obedience of Abraham. There would have been no uh, provision of God. Uh, There would have been no supernatural intersection of God's provision for them. And, And listen, we wouldn't be studying this story. This would just be a story about a dad and a son taking a walk. We wouldn't be studying this today, and I can't help but wonder, how many times do we, how many times do you, and how many times do I pause in our faith, in in our climb towards God? How many times do we just stop and say it doesn't make sense? How many times do we stop just a few weeks, or just a few days, or hours, or how many times do we stop even just a few minutes short of intersecting with God's infinite provision and resources in our lives, His goodness and grace and love for us. I think when we do that, I think when we stop, you know what I think happens? I think all heaven gasps. I think all heaven looks down and the angels of heaven look down upon us and they say, No, 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 no. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. If you could see what we see from our perspective, you would see that you are just moments away from God doing something supernatural in your life. Don't stop now. Don't stop now in your marriage. I know it looks bleak and I know it looks like they're done, but don't stop now. You're just moments away. I know you have that friend at school or, at your workplace or your neighbor who you keep trying to talk about faith and keep having these conversations and you keep inviting them to church and they just don't want to come don't, 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 don't give up because there's two weekends from now and two weekends from now something's going to happen in their life and you cannot see what we see. There's another side of the mountain and here's what faith looks like, friends, for us. Faith means following God obediently even before the provision is seen. Going after him Even when we don't understand exactly what he's up to or where the provision is going to come from. You know what I think happens a lot of times for us in our lives, the way we live this out, all of us, myself included, I'm certainly including myself here, understand my heart as I say this, but I I think our church needs, needs to hear this truth. A lot of times what we like to do is we like to blame God for his lack of provision. When we ourselves are bankrupt in our own obedience. We want to blame God for what he hasn't done and what he hasn't provided. When we ourselves are bankrupt in our own obedience, we're not taking those steps towards him. And what we like to do in in this kind of story, in this situation, this is the way it works in real life. We like to say, okay, God, I'm going to be faithful. I want to be faithful. I'll do that. I'll go there. I'll be that. I'll start that. I'll stop that. I'll do whatever. I'm going to be faithful, God. But here's, here's all I need, God. I just need one thing. Here's all I need from you, God. Show me the ram. I'm standing down here. I'm waiting. You, you just show me the ram, God. If you listen, God, if, when you show me that ram, I, I'm going to be so faithful. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take so many steps of faith it you're just going to make your head spin. I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be the faith walker. I'm going to just show me the ram, right? Just show me the ram, like show me the money, right? Show me the ram. To just show me the ram. And then when I see the ram, when I see the provision, then I'm going to be so faithful. And, And I get that. And I think God says, I get that. I understand that. But God also would say to us, you know what? That's not the way it works. That's not the way all this works. Here's what you do. Here's what I do. We just keep taking steps towards God. Just keep faithfully going after him and his son Jesus. And then... And only then do we collide and realize the provision and the goodness and the grace of God in our lives. You know, the amazing thing about the story of Abraham and Isaac, I think, is not just really that it happened. I think the amazing thing about the story of Abraham and Isaac is that it still happens in all of our lives, It still happens, friends. Listen, God still meets obedient people on top of mountains. He does. And and I do not know where you are this weekend. I don't know what you're climbing on your side of the mountain. But I know if you're like me, you can't see the other side. But I can tell you this, I can promise you this. There's another side of the mountain that you cannot see. And it's God and his side of the mountain. And so wherever you are, whether it makes a whole lot of sense or not, keep climbing because who knows, you may be moments away, weeks away from intersecting with God's goodness and grace and provision in your life. How many of you know that God has a perfect track record of faithfulness? Amen? He's not going to blow it on you. He's not going to blow it on me. There's two sides of the mountain and only God and see both sides. Let's pray together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for a weekend as we head into a new week where we can come and we can push pause and and we can sing out to you and we can worship you. And we realize, God, we can do worship the way we do this weekend because of the sacrifice that was made for us through Jesus That's the only way. And so God, we just want to say today and we want to sing out to you today that that we believe in you, that, that we trust you. We believe that you can see both sides of this mountain even when we can't. God, increase our faith and give us the courage to keep walking towards you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we sing. Amen, amen.